This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning, good morning. Again, my name is Adam, and I'm the youth minister here, and I'm so excited that you're here. Before I get started, I have a few announcements. Um, one, on your way out, if you want to stay up to date with any of the youth ministry stuff, there's a QR code in the lobby on your way out that you can just scan that and get um, onto the email list that we got going on for that. Just stay up to date with that. And we also still have some cards out on the wooden uh, plaque thing in the front lobby that if you want to take a card to give a gift to a teacher for a special project or something they need in their classroom, there's still some cards hanging up out there. Um, But hey, today we are continuing in our series called Dangerous Prayers. This is the third and final week of the series, and this is um, just going to be another week of diving in to see how we can pray in ways that bring the Spirit of God into our lives in powerful ways. So as, as we get into the, uh, the sermon today, I just want to come together in prayer um, for our message and just for um, the world around us. So, so bow your heads as we pray. God, thank you um, for this message today. Thank you that, um, that, you're, that you're here in the room with us, God. Um, I pray that you would let this message pierce our hearts, God, and, and change us for the better. And God, we also come to you um, with, a, with a hurting world, God, whether um, it's our, f- our friends in Haiti that are dealing with an earthquake, or our, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan as, as chaos looms, God. We, just, we know that you are the carrier of peace, and we just ask that you would step into the rooms, God. Use your people to, to usher in hope and usher in life and, and healing and restoration in every situation that comes up worldwide, God, and in our lives on a day-to-day basis. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. So, so just a reminder, a lot of the stuff that we're going through in this series comes from a book called Dangerous Prayers. It's by Craig Rochelle. If you want a copy of that, we would love to get one of those in your hands. And you can just stop by after service, and I would love to get you connected. And I will order one for you, and we will get that to you. Um, so in the first couple weeks of this series, we looked at um, what it looks like to ask God to search our hearts and bring to light anything that needs to be transformed by his power. The first week was Search Me. And then the second week, we got to look at um, what it looks like God for, to send me. We looked at what AIM is doing with combating human trafficking in Cambodia and how we can partner in that as the church. Um, and we've been defining dangerous prayers as, as prayers that remove us from our spiritual safety nets and challenge us to live beyond our comfort zones. That's kind of where we've been working from in this series. So as we move into today's message, I want to keep it real with you. Today's message... Um, isn't necessarily a fun one, um, but as I prepared it, I had to ask myself hard questions and uncomfortable questions. But I believe if we get this, if we get this today, that we will find ourselves living out of faith that plugs us into new levels of trust and intimacy with God and will plug us into a power that exceeds far beyond anything that this world has to offer us. So today, we're going to be looking at the dangerous prayer of break me. Break me. Now you may ask, Adam, why in the world would I ask God to break me? And, and some of us are asking, what do you mean break me? Some of us might be thinking, well, I've been broken plenty of times, whether it was a sprained wrist or broken ankle or the countless doctor appointments. And secondly, you're probably thinking, why would I ask God 
to break me? Isn't he supposed to be the one that heals me? Isn't he supposed to be the one that I run to for refuge? Isn't he supposed to be the one that I run to when, I'm, when I am broken? Well, yes, he is, 100%. But I hope today that we can see that those things can be true, even especially in the midst of asking God to break me. So as we dive in, one thing I aim to do whenever I'm speaking is to keep it hot. And what I mean by that is just humble, open, and transparent. I want to keep it humble, open, and transparent as I speak. And just remembering that all of us are in this together and that none of us have it all together. Um, so I'm going to do my best to be humble, open, and transparent whenever I'm speaking. So as I was looking into this idea of praying prayers that ask God to break me, I couldn't help but look back on my life to try to pinpoint a time that I was just so broken, that I was completely and utterly broken. And so, so for anyone that I've shared my story with before, they know that a big part of it, a big part of my story that was, that was a hard time in my life is, is when my parents were going through divorce when I was in middle school and early high school. It was a long, nasty, drawn-out process, and it was, it was full, of, full of really hard times, and it seemed like such, such, a, such an unbreakable thing in my life had completely shattered away. And I was broken. I was very broken. And those few years were filled with countless nights of crying myself to sleep and, and countless nights of being afraid of what was to come and, and a lot of doubt and a, a way too many moments of acting like I had it all together. And, and looking back on that time, I was, I was broken to the point of what I thought was unrepairable. I was like, God, this could not happen and, and me come out on the other side and be okay or be, be moving in a good direction. And it was the toughest season of my life thus far, most definitely. Um, but, but anyone who knows my story also knows that, that through that time in my life, the time that was so hard and, and was a struggle in so many ways, I saw more spiritual growth in my life than I had ever before. And, and why was that? And I always tell people, that everything that I knew to be my normal, this, this life I had pictured up in my mind that was my normal, it was broken down. And I had, I had no choice but to run to God. I had no choice but to turn to God. And I didn't necessarily pray for God to break me. I didn't, enter, I didn't, I didn't pray, God, please, would you please do this thing that's going to wreck my life. That, that wasn't the situation. But I was very broken. I was for sure broken. There's no doubt about that. And, and God used my brokenness to remind me of my need for him. He used my brokenness to remind me of my need for him. And, and the crazy thing is, looking back on that time, even though it was hard, that was the time that I first chose to follow Jesus as my personal savior for the first time. And, and that was the time that I was baptized. And that was the time that I made spirit-filled friendships that would last for years to come. So looking back on that time, yes, it was hard. Yes, I was broken, but... Through that, God used my brokenness to remind me of my need for him. And, and that brings me to my point that to be wholly useful to God, we must be empty of self. To be wholly useful to God, we must be empty of self. Many times in our lives, we ask God to do things. We're like, God, help me become a better friend. God, help me become a better parent or a better coworker. And then we'll get really bold and we'll ask God things like, God, would you just make me more effective in your kingdom? God, would you just show me what areas of my life can be a mission field? And all of those things are really good things to be asking God for help with. But sometimes we, and myself included, we, we go into those questions to God and, and we forget that 
when we ask those questions, it might actually require us to change things in our lives. And it might actually require us to make room for God to do those things. And, and we want God to do these awesome things. And we, we ask him, hey God, would you help me do this? Would you help me be this? But when it comes down to it, are we willing to step away from the TV screen to jump into his word? Are we willing to step away from our work to spend time with our families? Or are we willing to put in the hard work that it takes to turn away from the things that are distracting us and allow God to take us to new levels of faith? And I believe whether we're in elementary school or whether we're deep into retirement, God is working in our hearts and growing us to be the women and the men that are on fire for his kingdom. That's a lifelong continual process that never stops. And, and in order for us to, to empty ourselves so that God can, can use us, we have, to, we have to understand what we're clinging to. And that can look different for everyone. But, but look at where your time is. Look at where your attention is and where your resources are going. And that is probably an area of your life that is, is at the center or something that you are deeply invested in. And like I said, all of those things aren't bad things. It's just, if we're clinging to something before God, it can keep us. It can keep us away from where he's taking us. And so, so what is it that you're clinging to? What is it that you're holding on to so tightly that you're like, Jesus, you can have this, you can have that, you can have all this area over here, but, but can I just keep this little area, please? And you're like, I just am so willing to give you everything, but God, eh, I don't know about this spot. And those areas of our life that we're, that we're holding back from God, they could be robbing us of opportunities to grow deeper in faith. And, and as we end up trying to, trying to barter with God, of God, let me keep this and you can have this, to stay comfortable. And, and I'm speaking from experience here. I, I know what it's like to kind of feel God's nudge to let go of something. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if you really want me to let go of that, God. Are you sure? And, and then we end up getting to this place where like, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but I just don't think you know what you're talking about. And that's where we find ourselves idolizing things and, and thinking that we know better, which we all know is not true at the end of the day. So, so let's, let's take a turn here and let's take a look at a story from the life of Jesus. And there's an instance towards the end of Jesus' ministry on earth that we find in Mark 14. And Jesus is sitting with some of his followers in the house of Simon the leper. And a woman comes into the room carrying a very expensive bottle of perfume. And it's estimated that this one bottle of perfume is worth what an average person would make in an entire year. So you, you work your entire year, you put all that money into a bag, and she's pretty much just carrying that bag into the room and a little, bit, little bottle of perfume. And this woman comes into the room, she takes this bottle of rare perfume, and she begins to pour it over Jesus' head and on his feet. And in verses 3 and 5 in, Matthew, or in Mark 14, it says, She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such an expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. The people in the room were confused. Why would this woman seemingly waste this bottle of perfume that had so much worth? And I look at this passage and I think, well, yeah, I get it. 
Jesus is being doused in some nice Gucci perfume. But what significance is there in that besides sacrificing something that was worth a lot of money? And I, I, I believe we can continue to look a little deeper at this story and see that there's something pretty amazing going on here. And we get another aspect of this story from Luke's account. In Luke 7, 36 through 50, Luke tells us that this woman was actually known as a sinful woman from the town. And, and we don't know exactly why she got that label. Some scholars think that she was a prostitute in the town, while others are unsure. But one thing that we do know is that whatever it was, she had the label and she was perceived as a sinful woman. And she had a reputation around town because that's what these people identify her as. So going into this room, not only was this woman giving up something that was expensive, not only was she giving up a bottle of perfume that was worth her entire year's wages, but she had a perceived identity that would have made a lot of the people in the room say, why does this woman who lives an unrighteous life think she can just waltz into this room with Jesus and do something like this? I know what she was doing last weekend. I, I heard what she did with so-and-so. I've seen her around town. And they begin to cast judgment on her. So I want to challenge us to even go a little deeper. Not only was this woman coming to Jesus' feet and, and sacrificing this, this very rare and expensive thing, even more, this woman knew that she, when she came into this room, she knew before she entered that she probably wasn't going to feel welcomed. She knew that there was going to be glare. She knew that when she entered into this room, she would not be welcomed. And, and as she goes into this room, she knew that, and she takes something that represented everything that she had done in her past. Every time she put on that perfume as she went out the door, as she went to work, every time she used that perfume as she was in the community, and every time that she felt like she just didn't measure up. Every time that she was just filled with fear and filled with this, this insecurity and every drop of that perfume in some way represented everything she had worked for and everything that she had clinged to. And all of that was poured out onto the feet of Jesus willingly because she knew that Jesus was worth all of her time and all of her attention. And she let it go. Everything that she was holding on to, everything that she clinged to in the past, she let it go. And in essence, this woman is coming to Jesus and saying, break me. Simple as that, break me, Jesus. Break me down from all the prideful identities I've given myself. Break me down from all the regrets I have that I never thought I would get over. Break me away from my past when I was choosing to turn to everything besides you, Jesus. Break me, Jesus. So this prayer that says, God, break me, is really all about when things get difficult, do we run from God or run towards him? When things get difficult, when everything falls apart, when the thing that you weren't expecting that you hoped wouldn't happen, happens. Do we run from God or do we run towards him? And, and let me be blunt because I find myself doing this. Things will get difficult and I begin to feel that things are getting difficult. And I'll do this thing where, where I tell myself that I'm running to God. I do this thing where I'm like, oh yes, I am running to God. But in actuality, I'm not doing anything different than I was before. 
I, I try to convince myself that I'm running towards him when I'm really still just distracted and indifferent. And, and those are the moments where we have to choose to actually turn and run to God and allow him to transform our hearts in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the brokenness. And maybe today, right now, you feel like you're in the position of the woman with the perfume. You don't know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You don't know if you're doing what is right. You don't know how people are going to look at you when you enter a room. You don't know the glares that will come or the side eyes. But let me be very direct with you this morning. Jesus welcomes you into his arms openly. There's a seat at his table for you always. No matter what you've done, who you've been in your past, the doubts that you've had, Jesus has a seat at his table if you're willing to come to him. And I, I also suspect that today some of us, whether we'd like to admit it or not, far too often find ourselves in the shoes of those present with Jesus. And when this woman pours out the perfume, their first response is, why would she do that? Do you know how many people that money could have helped? I almost hear them saying, who does she think she is coming in here uninvited and wasting all of that? Which, by the way, we all know how she earned it. And they so quickly throw judgment on this woman. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are y'all mad about? This woman has done a beautiful thing to me. And I can just see all the people in the room kind of lean back in their chairs and kind of get salty and they're like, Jesus doesn't really know what he's talking about in this situation. Jesus, do you know who that lady is? What she has done? But hear this. Jesus' response isn't dependent on what the woman had been doing in her past. Jesus' response wasn't dependent on what that woman had done yesterday. It wasn't dependent on what that woman had done 20 years ago. In the same way that Jesus' response and Jesus' posture towards us, towards you, and towards me, is not reliant on what you did 20 years ago or what you did yesterday. And, and Jesus loves you and he loves me so much that all of that other stuff falls away. All of the pre-cast pre judgments, all of the things that people told us we were going to be, all the things that we expected of ourselves, they fall away when we are just willing to come to Jesus and ask for our hearts to be transformed. And, and so one of the reasons we're looking at the story today is because this woman who, who by many would have been deemed too far gone, unworthy, unrighteous, was the one person who came to the feet of Jesus willing to pour out her most valuable possession and essentially pour out herself to be broken because she recognized the power that Jesus carried. She recognized that he deserved all of her attention, every ounce of her attention. And I think this interaction with Jesus shows us one of the core parts of his mission on earth. And in, in Luke 5.32, Jesus himself says, I have come to call, not, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I find it interesting because oftentimes I've seen in the church around the country that we, we hear a verse like this and we're like, yes, God, I agree. But then when the broken person, when the person that's messed up, when the person that, that looks crazy or, or sounds crazy or we think is crazy wants to be a part of our churches, we're like, oh, I don't know about that. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I believe that this prayer of God, break me, is one that the church in America can utilize as well. Because asking God to break us is asking him to break us away of all of our judgmental thinking, all of our prideful assumptions, and all of our insider mentalities. And asking God to break us away from that because far too often the church in America can begin to feel like a country club. And if someone who doesn't fit into that club wants to walk through the doors, then they're probably not going to feel welcomed. And, and that's our whole heart behind our You Matter vision. We want to be a place where anyone who comes into this room feels like they can be a part of our community, that they matter to God, that they matter to our community. And this is the vision of the church that we get in Scripture, um, being a movement that is accepting of those who have been outcast by society and showing grace to the one who was deemed unforgivable. And as followers of Jesus, we are part of a movement that brings love into spaces of hate and brings peace into the chaos and bring, ultimately represents something much, much larger than ourselves. And, and it's, not just looking, it's not just about looking at what things we're doing that we can stop doing. God desires for us to continually evaluate our hearts and, he, and, and evaluate our hearts and motives and push against anything that does not honor him. But that's not the end of what we have to do. And that brings me to my point that being broken down is not about destruction, rather deconstruction. And what I mean by that is that it's not about, it's not about destroying all the ways we have set up our heart. It's about deconstructing the ways that we have set up our heart and, and the w ways we value things before God. And it's about coming to God and, and deconstructing ourselves and saying, God, I, I have this, this thing, this relationship, this job at the center of my heart. And just kind of deconstructing it, setting it aside. Saying, God, I, I see this thing has come before you and deconstructing it, setting it aside. And we finally get a clean slate and we put God at the center. And then these things that aren't inherently bad, we can say, okay, God, where does this fit in? Okay, God, this relationship can go here. God, this, this job can go here. And then maybe at the end, there's a few things that we've put aside that, that we feel like we can be without. That we can say, God, okay, I've, I've realigned you at the center. I, I've put you back in the space that you were meant to be in. And it's not about destroying ourselves and, and breaking ourselves down just to be broken. It's about deconstructing the ways that we've put things before God and deconstructing the ways that we have idolize things and people and places. And, and we do all of this not so we may be seen as some great person. Rather, we do this so we might use our time and our gifts to bring glory to Jesus so that we could bring his life-changing power into the rooms that we work in, into the homes that we own, into the, the places we go and we walk and we talk. And we do this so God would break us down to remind us that it was never about me. It was never about me. And sometimes that's hard to say. But, but looking to God and saying, it was never about me. God, it was never about me. No matter if, if I realized it or not, it wasn't about us when everything was going great and we were on the mountaintop. And it wasn't about us when everything was falling apart and we're in the valley. And our stories matter. What we do matters. But most importantly, where our hearts are through all of it matters. 
And in our culture, it's interesting because we're told that, that who we are stems from things like what we do for work, how much we make, what political party we do or don't associate ourselves with, what car we drive, who is or isn't our friend. And, and we face this fork in the road where we have to decide, am I going to, to buy into what this world is telling me to buy into? Or am I going to choose to turn and keep God at the center of my life and let all of these other things fall into place? And, and we have to choose, are we going to let these labels that the world throws at us define us? Or are we going to let the offer that God has for us be the thing that defines us, defines our character, defines our, our life ultimately? Because the reality is, all of us have to make that choice at some point. Some of us are waking up every day, going to work and having to make that choice every day. Am I going to buy into what the world has for me? Or am I going to be a countercultural person that is living in to the story of Jesus? And in, in Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And for me, that is, that is a simple yet very challenging verse to live out. How are we supposed to lose our lives? How are we supposed to, to do that in a, in a world where everything that we're told, everything that we're advertised about is about us, is about how we can get more, be more, do more. But Jesus enters into this world and he tells us that in order to find our true life, in order to be the men and women that he's calling us to be, first and foremost, we have to be empty of self. We have to lose ourselves and be full of Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus lets us know this, that our fullest potential is on the other side of realizing that it's not all about us. And it's waking up each day and, and asking God to break us away from selfish motives, to break us away from our sinful patterns, and to break us away from our prideful judgments that we cast on others. So, what, what does it look like? What does it actually look like to pray for God to break us? And first, it, it looks like what we talked about the first week. It looks like asking God to help search our hearts and reveal to us the truest version of who we are. God, search me, and not stopping there. And we have to ask God to help us break away from things, cycles, addictions, and idols that have become part of what is holding us back from where God is trying to take us. And, and in our brokenness, we often experience God's greatest blessing. In our brokenness, we often experience God's greatest blessing. And this can be a way of living that, that is so, so uncomfortable, that is so, so hard at some times, but I believe that in pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones, we find ourselves becoming solely dependent on God. We're not dependent on anything else at that point. We, we are just as like the woman who poured out the perfume. This expensive possession that was worth a year of her wages, she did this not because she wanted to be seen as some great person, she did this because she saw the transforming power of Jesus. And I believe that if we are willing to step out of our comfort zones, if we're willing to go to the place that God calls us to go and we don't really want to go to, I believe if we are willing to take that next step and break away from ourselves, 
that we will find a, a faith and desire for God that, that takes us to places where we can be vessels of hope, carriers of peace and love, and, and vessels of the gospel like never before. As we step away from ourselves, as we empty ourselves of our selfish motives and our prideful intentions, and we ask God to fill us with his spirit, I believe we will be going to places in relationships and in our work environments that we had never imagined to go. And God will do things in our hearts and in our lives that we had never imagined could happen. And because the reality is that, that the people who spread the good news of Jesus the most are the people who have actually been radically changed by Jesus and are living a life that is completely void of self and completely full of Jesus. And, and that is what it looks like to allow God to break us. Not so, we may, not so we may experience pain. Rather, so we may find ourselves and that we would be living a life that honors God with every opportunity and loves others as Jesus would. And as I close, Ben, you can come. Um, I want to leave you with a word from Dangerous Prayers. We're each called to die daily, to break down the walls we put up in our hearts. We're called to be broken and poured out, to become dependent on God's Spirit, to rely on Him for our comfort, our guidance, our source of power. Being broken isn't just a moment in time born out of a painful event. It's a daily choice to die to pride, to crucify lust, to destroy selfishness. Rather than living a life of ease, it's a choice to be living a life of faith. And you might experience this when you do what's right, yet you are criticized by those who don't understand, or when you respond with love instead of anger to someone who attacks you, or, or when you're faithfully doing something that you believe God directed you to do, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense and the people around you mock you for it. No one can force you to pray this dangerous prayer of, of Lord, break me. But if you're ready to step into a time of, of allowing God to stretch and grow you to be the women and the men of faith that we strive to, be, strive to be, I believe asking God to break us, to rid us of our own desires, and to fill us with his spirit is going to take us to places and spaces that we never thought we'd get to. So in just a moment, we're going to have the opportunity to partake in communion together. And as we do that today, I hope we see a fresh invitation to be broken alongside Jesus. Just as his body is broken on the cross, and as we remember that moment in the bread, take a moment to sit in the brokenness that Jesus experienced. But don't stay there because we know the end of the story, and we know that, that in the juice and in the blood there is resurrection. And in, as we break away from ourselves and are filled up with the resurrection power of Jesus— we are, we are empowered to go and be. So today and this week, remember that the power of Christ that lives on in you and the opportunities that you have to be a carrier of peace and a cultivator of turning back to Jesus moments may just be on the other side of asking God to break me. So would you bow your heads and pray with me as we continue in worship. God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for... Um, your word and your, your kindness, God. I pray that you would just 
continue to mold our hearts, God, into the people that you are making us into, God, and that you would, you would expose in us any ways that you would have us empty ourselves and fill us up with you, God. And we just thank you for your son, Jesus, and all the things that he did. And we just ask that you would continue to motivate us and bend us, God, and be uncomfortable, God. Not so we may be seen as great people, God, but so that we may be cultivators of your kingdom on earth. It's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.